So we are live and um, we've got, <clears throat> you're looking for the books already. You're going to show us what they are. That's fun. <laughs> Can't hear you too well, but we'll see that. So um, we got Andy Churchill on from Montreal. We're going to be learning about presentations, research, complex realities before we do that though. Andy, what are the three resources? Three, three, three books. There you go. I was pulling them off the shelf. I love one's it. Called Escape from, one's called Escape from the Ivory Tower. About talking about um, talking about research with people who aren't academics. Uh, nice. One's called Talk Like Ted, which is Carmine Gallo's book about Ted Ted stage. And uh, one of the things I really appreciate that as a as someone in academia is it's he's got some research in it. You know, a lot of these kind of Yes. Business best practice talk books don't have a lot of science in them. Right. They're not necessarily bad, but. Um, they're not the effective just, executive and they're not tribal leadership. Right. They're a little bit yeah. more watered down. Yeah. And they just, you know, when you work with researchers, researchers want research. They want yeah. stuff that they want stuff that's backed by research. Of course. Um, and Gallo's got a nice combination of his own you know, his own experience and then also some, some science in it. So that's cool. And then, uh, for people interested in slides, I'm actually moving more and more away from slides, but Duarte's slideology, you know, Nancy Duarte has been, she's, she's been on top of the slide and speaking game for a long time. So well, those are awesome. three good ones. Thank you for that. We will absolutely, uh, I think we're going to revisit this topic of slides and moving away from slides because uh, it's a, it should be a topic of interest for everyone that wants to be effective in presenting, presenting in 2024 and moving forward. So we'll be right back and we'll dive in. All right. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We'll be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. Hey there, and welcome into another episode of Vision Pros Live. I'm your host, Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business, and I'm excited to have Andy Churchill here today. We're going to be talking about presentations, the gift of presenting, uh, making complex realities simplified so that it's easy for people to understand what it is that you're up to, um, probably even how to present to different audiences. We already started talking about why research matters. Again, we'll dive back into that in just a minute. First, let's talk about some of these sponsors that we have. So we're going to start with the Wellness Shop 365 with, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, with Sean Lechuga. Um, Sean founded the Wellness 365 with the hope to inspire his audience to move towards an integrative approach towards wellness, well-being, and nutrition. And I love that he focuses on what's called the 365 Will of Life assessment. And it's basically got 10, 10 categories or so that showcase um, you know, rating yourself on a scale of one to 10, what's your joy look like? What's your creativity look like? What's your, um, family life look like? Uh, the, 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 the idea that there are practitioners out there who care about us beyond the basic principles. gracias. Um, we'll go down to that and, uh, that way you can guys, you guys can see the concepts what he's going to be turning this into and how well it's going to help people. Um, it, it's just very exciting to me. It reminds me of, of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, 
which most people haven't heard of. You might have looked it up if you haven't heard of it before. We're going to move over to the to Melissa Gray and the Law Spot. The Law Spot is Melissa's basically her. I need to introduce Melissa and Andy because she simplifies complex processes as well. What she's up to is teaching people that, you know, when it comes to legal matters for business, it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be more simple. Her nurturing personality made me really fall in love with her processes and realize that business owners who need help um, from a legal standpoint, well, they, they often hire somebody last minute or maybe they've entrusted LegalZoom or something that's a little bit too much of a template. And uh, then when you get to a point where somebody's sending you a demand letter or a cease and desist or a trademark lawsuit, et cetera, you don't necessarily know who to turn to. She's who I would recommend turning to and interviewing. And uh, we'll move on to the Water Project now. So the Water Project is the <clears throat> entity that we choose to support and give back the most to. Um, it, it, there's, there's millions of people in this world who don't have access to clean drinking water. And <clears throat> there's an opportunity for us to... Um, to bring water to them. And the water project breaks down their projects kind of like a Kickstarter. You get to see the community that you're gonna be helping. Then if you've donated to that project, they're gonna send you an update for what they did with the money and the project moving forward. You get to see the impact that you have. And uh, if if you're in a position to where it makes sense to help out, then uh, you know we would love to see you go and do that. If you're not, but you can share this idea it's very possible that you'll touch the life of somebody who can, and therein lies your opportunity to contribute to the, you know, the 8 billion people in this world who don't have access to even, or the luxury to listen to a podcast like this one. So if we can give back, awesome. If you know of a, ca a cause that you'd like us to give back to, then by all means, don't hesitate to bring it up and, and uh, drop a comment with that cause, the link in there. We will take a look at it. We'll see if there's a way that we can help or support it as well. We might share it on this show even. And we appreciate you looking out for uh, those out there who have less fortunate fortunate circumstances than we do as visionaries um, listening to the show. So without further ado, Andy Churchill, I'm excited to have you on the stage. Welcome to Vision Pros Live. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Love that, love that you're working with Water for Life. It's, a, it's, um, it's amazing to think people don't have water. Isn't it? It's, Yeah. That's, you know, you right on the heels of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You nailed it there. You didn't even yeah. realize you did it. <laughs> right. Maybe, maybe um, I didn't, maybe I did. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, it's, it is hard to fathom. It's, it's so hard to talk about because it's like, well, we all, I've got it within 10 feet of me. In this case, yeah. I've got it in my hand, you know, but I never want to take that for granted. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so other news, other research news, big day today. Um, Cameroon just, Cameroon, it uh, wasn't today. It's been going on for about six months now. Um, you know, we got vaccine for kids for malaria. Oh, okay. And it is uh, big. It's, it's big. It's big. You know, like water, we take water for granted. Malaria is a, malaria is a big disease in the world. Yes, and it, uh, it kids it hits kids particularly hard and and the malaria vaccine story is a long one um, but it's but it's it's starting to hit you know it's getting in kids arms saving it lives. Is. well thank you for letting us know we'll have to we'll, we'll make sure to drop a comment as well on the landing page or a, a link to learn more about that if you have a specific link where the great resource we can learn about that, Andy. I'd love to put it um, involved in our materials. Yeah, um, so. I just noticed the article in the Guardian today, and 
I've been nice. kind of following the science behind it for a while, but it's, um, you know, these things matter. And, and that's, you know, that's part of why I love working in the research space with researchers. Right. You know, researchers get a, get a, don't, don't necessarily, um, get the respect. Sometimes, you know, I think a lot of times research gets in, science, in science, either overlooked or, or just pulled out of context, pulled out of context and, and get a hard time about stuff, you know? Yeah. So, so what's your, what's your vision for those that you serve, Andy? Um, you know, my vision is, is so that they can talk about their work in a way that they can be proud of and people can understand. I love it. You kept that so succinct that it shocked me, but that's a, <laughs> that's a power right there in of, of itself that they can help people understand where they're coming from on this. And it's a good feeling when somebody understands you, we, we take that for granted too. What's uh, what's your personal vision? What do you look forward to accomplishing or what do you see on your horizons? So my, my vision in this space, you know, I was, I was thinking about this. My vision in this space is that, you know, imagine you're sitting at a cocktail party and, and, and you ask someone and they're like, what are you? I'm a scientist. I'm a researcher is the answer. And, and usually the response is like, Oh no, <laughs> my vision is the response is, Oh, cool. Can you tell me stories about your work? Yeah. And that the, and that like, if you're a researcher, people, and, and you tell people you're a researcher, people want to know more, mm. but it's got to start with researchers getting better at sharing their stories. Yeah. And that's what I work on. But, but my, like, my imagination takes me to the point that get enough researchers good enough at doing this that instead of people being like rolling their eyes and being like, Oh, I don't want to hear about this. The opposite right. happens. Yeah. I love one. Well, <laughs> it's not limited. That's you. You have that mindset of like, okay, I'm with researchers all day. And so this is a, a research or, you know, oriented reality. This applies to all of you visionaries, every single person in the world who has a title um, and you box yourself in based on your titles when I represented video power marketing, um, I didn't call myself an ambassador. I didn't call myself a sales rep. I didn't call myself an executive advisor. Nobody cared about me. That's not what people typically care about. I said, uh, I said, we run YouTube ads. You know, I help companies with their YouTube ads. Why did I do that? Everybody loves YouTube. Um, and so it was fun for people. To, oh, what do you mean? Like, how does that work? Right. It creates a question. Well, you know, or I would say we run YouTube ads, but tell me about you. What do you do? Right. Moving into finding out more about people and we start caring about the person we're in front of, then we'll start winning. So I would say not only does you researchers, you guys are at least asking questions. Most entrepreneurs are introducing themselves as, you know, I'm, I'm a founder of some brand that nobody cares about. Um, ask me more about me, please. Um, like what? You know, you got to take interest in people. So I, I still got to guide. I got to dive right back in. So what's your vision for you? Andy, and outside of this place, you're, you're going to be the champion to help researchers tell better stories. But what do you see for yourself on the horizon? Um, you know, I'm in a bit of I'm in a bit of a transition time where I've been doing this now for 10 years. And I've been doing it for 10 years and I and I'm 
I've worked with almost 10,000 researchers in those 10 years, as near as I can tell, who have either come to a workshop or I've worked one-on-one -on -one with. I've worked with close to 1,000 people one-on-one -on -one over the last 10 years um, on, a, on an individual presentation. Mm -hmm. And I coach a lot of events. So, you know, I'll, right. I'll work with 5, 10, 20 people at a time through an mm -hmm. event. Um, and that's actually my favorite way to work with people because then they have skin in the game. Whereas when you just do workshops teaching about how to do this better, they, you know, it's kind of in one ear out the other. You can't Maybe not. It. Maybe it rattles around in their brain a little bit. But until you actually do it, that's when the that's when the magic happens. The rubber hits right. the road, so to speak. It's it's still um, more fun to see that immediate impact. Yeah. Um, I, I would agree with you on that. So my so my. The next step for me is whether or not I can scale it mm -hmm. because I can't, you know, that, that vision of like changing how researchers talk about research, I can't do at a thousand people a year. <laughs> there are too many researchers. Uh, right. So I'm starting, so I'm starting to play with ways to, play with ways to scale. Yep. That's awesome. And it's that, it's that question, right. Of how can I um, yeah. scale it? Right. And it's, there's no easy answer on that. Somebody yeah. can try to, to make that oversimplify that for you. But I was talking to Justin Breen about this. He was on the show um, and he and I had to agree to disagree. He did not like my vision um, and that's okay. Um, we're still good friends. We just see the world differently. And I believe that everybody has the power to be a visionary. He said, no, doesn't no it can't happen um and i and i said i i don't agree and here's why and he didn't like my analogy either but i still love it i think it applies to you and that's that a hundred years ago nobody could have done this yeah you know 200 years ago nobody could have done this with lights and they wouldn't have wanted to even if they'd figured it out somewhat it would have been so scary um you know to do that you could potentially kill yourself um you know playing around with a light bulb like that or playing around with fire like that somebody right some people, systems, researchers, inventors figured out how to make it possible for myself. I can pick up a book and make a light, a light like that these days or a YouTube video and make something like that these days. Yeah. So you, you're you on track to unlocking, tapping into that same code of how do I empower the masses to be able to utilize what you've been teaching one-on-one -on -one and one-to-many for a while. I think that's amazing. Thank you for doing it. Just got to gotta say thank you. It's awesome. It's a, it's a little daunting. <laughs> it's a little yeah. daunting. You know, it's 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 funny because the catch point too. Because if you notice, I said that right on the heels of working one on one with people and people having skin in the game, game and working with a, a at the event level, and I haven't cracked the code on how to do both. <laughs> but yeah, it's gonna know. it's gonna take some. I'm take only some hard 55. Work, I got time. That's right. You do. <laughs> you do. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe you crack half the code, um, you know, or Thomas Edison got to where he got to, but he didn't invent the ring light, you know, nope. he didn't <laughs> I invent have the a ring light, light now. So there's, there's still, we make, we make these impacts, but I can tell that you're, you know, the fact that you're pondering it as deeply as you are, the fact that you say it's daunting tells me, tells me how bad you're getting after it and, and wanting yep. to make it happen. And that's, that's admirable. I wish more visionaries understood that that journey itself like that's the essence 
of it for me. It's like, I, I enjoy the journey. That's why I'm on this. Um, what's yeah, your worst leadership? That's an interesting. Go ahead. Hit it. Hit, hit me with it. It is the journey, man. And that's, it drives me a little bonkers. Some of the, you know, LinkedIn's the primary platform I'm on, mm -hmm. but all the platforms are the same where it's like, you get these like fast, quick hits of like exponential growth. Hmm. Um, and it's about, it, it's about like a finish. Like, how do I get there as fast as I, it's like, yeah, it's about the journey. Like, how do you grow? How do you learn? Like I look at, at, you know, my, my footprint on, on LinkedIn has gone from 500 to 5,000 to now 25,000, which, you know, some people think is big. Some people, for some people it's not for me, it is awesome. Um, but the, but the journey has been about exploring what it means to help people present more effectively through a written medium or, and, and a little bit of video mm -hmm. um, in 30 second sound bites. Because yeah. that's all you got, right? That's all you got. And, yeah. and that journey has helped me be infinitely better in my own work with people when I have an hour, three hours, 10 hours, and I'm, and I'm working with them in detail. Right. Um, but it's, a, but it's about learning. It's not about like, it's not about the numbers. It's no, not it's about not. like tricking the algorithm. It, it's about, it's about learning yourself yeah. and helping people. See, I appreciate that a lot because you said 30 seconds and that's one box, right? But on a website back in 2010, it was eight seconds. Nowadays on a website, it's less than three seconds to be able to influence. Um, and if you're and, and if you look at the opportunities in life and say, well, wait a second, how does this apply to my everyday life? Um, I'm a master at capturing people's attention in person. Um, and it serves me well because when I saw that dude driving off and he hadn't he hadn't removed the the gas pump from his car you know and i'm like whoa you know and i hit it hard and he stops it saved the gas station it saved his car um you know it was an opportunity to make a profound impact in somebody's life and so i love that you said we don't box ourselves in we look at the opportunities sometimes we have five minutes sometimes we have 50 and sometimes we have the the head nod opportunity. And if they catch the head nod eye to eye, and then you're like, all right, bro, like we can, we can, we, we can got catch it. up now. We got right? it. <laughs> so lots of opportunities. Let's dive into a dark subject. What's your, you've had a lot of research experience. What's your worst leadership experience ever? I was, you know, I was thrust into a leadership position before I was ready I don't know if one's ever ready, but I definitely wasn't ready. And uh, I I had a positive impact on the community. Like I did my job well, but the leadership component of it, it was a freaking train wreck. <laughs> I've been there. I've been there many times. It was a train wreck. I mean, I was just full of imposter syndrome and anxiety and... You know, I, I don't know. Have you ever done a 360, you know, one of those 360 reviews? Evaluation. Oof. I did one of those and 
I was 26 and I don't think anybody else in the room was under 40 and it was with the senior leadership team, maybe, maybe under 35, uh -huh. right? I was 26 and they were 35 with kids and it was a school. So like no kids, no, like, and I wasn't teaching. I was running the admissions part of the school. Most entrepreneurs have never done a 360 evaluation or they've attempted it without actually going the full 360 degrees. Um, so that is one of the most important elements, visionaries, that you can look up, learn about, research it on YouTube, oh, ask, ask Andy about it. Go ahead. So you got, you got grilled in the 360 evaluation. It was brutal. <laughs> it was oh, yeah. brutal. <laughs> but it was true, you know? You know, so there's, these a are, these all these executives, there's a difference between being smart you? and being wise. Hmm. There's a like, I yep. just got to keep remembering that, right? Like I, you know, people would tease me and, and say, you know, you think you're the smartest guy in the room and, and who knows, I might've been, but I sure as hell wasn't the wisest. Yeah. <laughs> and when you realize it's not about being right, it's not right. about it, it's about empathy. It's about giving other people space. Hmm. It's not about having the answer. But when I was 25, I just wanted to have the answer. Yeah. We were, we were the same. We would have clashed. <laughs> we were in the clash of titans. We probably would have been friends too. But oh, oh probably it would have been difficult. We, we, either, we either would have been best friends or, or at each other's throats or a little uh, of both. Probably a little bit of both. That, yep, I get you on that. What's your best leadership experience look like? I think it's my next one. Hmm. I, I think it's the one that's just starting right now. Oh, it's coming. And, you know, I'm getting more and more opportunities. And this is the, this is the scaling question. Um, I'm starting to have more and more opportunities to build programs where I don't have to teach all the time. So the, the McGill three minute thesis competition, which is, you know, you take grad student researchers, one static slide, three minutes, tell me about your work. Um, and there are 175 students, 175 grad students at McGill signed up to participate right now. And the people who are running the workshops, who are doing the training, aren't me. Because I and it's not enough anymore, right? So there's students who participated last year and the year before, and I'm starting to train the train the trainer, and um, then I go and I do this small group coaching work, and they're in the room, and I watch them coach, and they they blow me away. That's awesome. Like if I can just shut up and watch. <laughs> Because yeah. it's hard. You have you come in and you're like, and I've been doing it by myself for so long. Mm. I mean, I, you know, when you asked me about my worst leadership experience, that was 20 years. No shit, that was almost 30 years ago. That was 25 years ago. And and between then and now, like since 2005, I've been solo. And now I'm and now I have a team again. So it's like 20 years between leadership experiences. Yep. <laughs> and there were a few in between. Like I was on the board. I, I did seven, eight year stint 
on a board at a local food bank. Nice. And, um, you know, that was a, that was a big time leadership experience. That might've actually been one of my best. Didn't have a happy ending, but, but actually from a leadership standpoint, I, I, well, you don't want to hear it. You want to hear that story? Well, I, I, I would, <laughs> but let's, let's do this. Let's save that for another right. segment post call. Um, that way, that way we can, uh, we'll get back to the, the research and have something to, to move towards as well. Um, but you know, you know, sometimes our best leadership experiences and opportunities don't end the happiness, uh, you know, with that right. happy ending. Uh, I mean, I'm twice divorced, but my best leadership experience and opportunity to raise my four kids, um, you know, and to, to try to have that family and that household, it matters tremendously to me. Um, and so it's, it's not always the story we want to tell, but sometimes there's great opportunities to learn from it. Your, your period of time as well as now that you've developed and you're a leader at a new, op, new opportunity, you probably have more opportunity to self-reflect on things you want to do different this time around and move forward. But what really struck my attention about what you said with the journey, Andy, is the pit stops that entrepreneurs don't want to acknowledge. You look at the Indy 500, these cars that race around, you know, you'd think, well, if the car just keeps going, it's going to win, right? You've, you've got a pit stop opportunity right now, but if, if your crew has not put the other wheel on, theoretically, you will go forward faster. You will make more progress faster than if you wait for him to put the fourth wheel back on. You'll completely destroy and ruin your opportunity to win the race. Um, and business owners often don't want to acknowledge the pit stop. They don't want to hear about it. They don't want to look at it. They just want to go, go, go like you were talking about. And it's not a pretty ending if they, if they keep going. So before we dive in to presentations, <clears throat> last, last nugget of wisdom we'll go over. If you could, uh, if you could share one final powerful lesson with visionaries that they can learn from your experience, what would it be? What would the last lesson be? I, I think for me, like I'll, I'll stay with this theme and say quality over speed. You know, I, I think that, you know, some of the tech lessons of like go fast and break things. I don't know. Maybe not for me, not for me. And, and maybe actually that's the real lesson is that w whatever this week's whatever this week's um, hot theory is, it doesn't have to be right for you. Yeah. It doesn't like, you know, this week's hot theory is just this week's hot theory. You know, wait six months, wait five years. Someone will, someone else will be doing the exact opposite and saying it's the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> True. <laughs> You're right. I love this concept. I mean, I, I've read a lot about, billionaires and multimillionaires, which I'm not either of. Um, and uh, there's a common trend and theme that comes up in some of the more harmonious articles that come out that say one of the one of their powers, secret powers is the ability to say no. Yeah. You know, the ability to realize that they're they might be spreading too thin. Um, then there's people who say just do the one thing and Gary Keller, I love you and I love your book. And at the same time, LeBron James was told to just shut up a dribble. And I'm glad he didn't. You know, he's got a dynamic personality with a lot of things he can get done. He does the, the, the promise school. 
Um, I know he's got all of his business ventures outside of the NBA as well. But like you said, it's he's not following what. Yeah, I mean, look internet. at that. Look at the uh, what the NBA has done um, because LeBron James didn't shut up and dribble, right? Exactly. And and he was able because of his position. Unlike, um, you know, the NFL could shut down who's our, our quarterback, Kaepernick, Kaepernick. right? Mm-hmm. Like Kaepernick tried to, you know, he he was true to himself, yeah. and um, we're still talking about him, right? But he, you know, the NFL hasn't been able to achieve the same um, impact. I don't think that that the NBA has and part of it, like LeBron James, right? Like he, he opened it up for people. I haven't done enough research to fully opinionate beyond the swag. Um, right. The scientific wild ass guess. Um, but my, <laughs> my swag opinion would be that I, I'm with you there. And here's, here's what I would look at as looking at the NBA players and the NFL players, from what I understand, the amount of players who go broke after their careers who are left broken because they weren't prepared for life for the NFL is far more staggering. The statistics are far worse saying that that NFL players end up in really bad situations comparatively to the NBA, which yeah. from what I've seen have programs built around personal development. Um, you know, Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan came out with commercials about uh, going to therapy and how that's important and helpful for them. Uh, they they seem to take more public initiatives to be involved in causes, be able to speak their minds, um, you know, have opinions without being crucified for it. Right. Um, so I and I yeah, so I look at the, I would look at the stats of, you know, which which individuals' lives seem to be longer, um, and which ones also seem to be well prepared for life beyond the game. So quality. Quality over speed. I like that a lot. I think quality over speed. Quality never, quality never. I mean, you know, then you get into the analysis paralysis space and all that. So there's, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's a, a harmony. There's a, there's a harmony. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we get into right? the like, when's the right time to make a decision versus how much information you have and the quality of the decision. And yeah. But I, but I, I just feel like, I feel like part of the, part of the tech revolution has taken us to the wrong side of the pendulum. Yeah. What's the, what's the good news about a pendulum though? It comes back, baby. It comes back. (laughs) I'm just waiting. (laughs) Right. I hope it comes back while I'm still here. (laughs) Uh Right. That's true. That's that is well, that is well said. I am, you know, I think we're waiting, but at the same time, Andy, we're leading it, you know, by talking about it, you know, by, by making sure that we're doing, taking actions about it. And so I'm with you on that, man. I'm, I, I, I learned, I learned the value of the tech swing, the get it out there, raw, ugly, dirty launch. And I'm so grateful for it from Jake Larson of video power marketing. Um, you know, when he asked me if he should launch his course and he said, Jackson, you're the most critical person I know. I need your feedback. Should I do this or not? And I was like, wow, that's the worst compliment I've ever received in my life. Um, and I said, I'm sorry, Jake. I know so hard on him and our previous engagement. Um, so I didn't want to give him feedback, but he knew he needed it. So 
I took his little course for creating video ads um, that drive conversions and sales back in 2010 or 11. And I, I said, dude, this is amazing. Um, you know, I said, it, you know, before I told him to go on it, though, I said, and it's awful. Like I need to fix it. So I gave him all sorts of feedback. I probably put 40 hours of work into it in addition to running my own startup. And it, part of it was like, okay, I'm using this for my startup too. So this is justified. Um, right. So I sent him all those notes and he launched, he didn't care about my notes. Um, he didn't put a single period or comma or change. He just launched. Ryan Dice put him on stage six months later, called him the bad expert of the world, um, you know, and and uh, the rest is history. Video Power became, you know, the YouTube ad experts of the world and did some awesome campaigns. <clears throat> I learned the value of that 80% launch rule, but a lot of tech startups are doing the 8% or the 0.8% rule. And they're yeah. launching with almost nothing saying, oh, I'm a, I'm a fractional COO. I've never been a COO in my life. I don't even know what a COO does, but I'll claim the title because it gets me hired. Whoa. Like we're, we're running into dangerous territory um, as, as a market, as an, as a business industry um, when we don't, we don't self-regulate or we're not regulated. I prefer we start self-regulating so that we don't have to be regulated too, too fiercely, but we, we have the opportunity to lead that. So tell me about, tell me about um, crafting impact. Let's dive into that. Uh, crafting impactful research messages to simplify painfully complex realities. The mic is yours. I'm here. I'll just ask random questions as you go. <laughs> um, you know, I struggle, I struggle a bit with the word simplify. I bet you do. I, <laughs> I like to think of it as making accessible. Um, you know, as, as simple as you can be like without that. being simpler. I think too often, you know, we get these catchphrases, right? Like the simplicity beyond the complexity. I just, hold on. I want to, I want to interrupt you for something funny. Um, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just teasing you on it, but your vision was the one that had the word simplified in it. I had to go check. I was like, did I oh, it did? word on him? Oh, yeah. Your vision sentence. It, it definitely says, uh, let's read it real quick. My vision is to convert complex problems and solutions into a simplified message. There Great we go. research presentations are rare, See, but they here's don't have the, to be. Yeah. Here's the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how do you be simple without being too simple? And how do you, and how do you, do, how do you, uh, how do you create understanding? And part of it is part of it is getting like getting as simple as you can, right? Yes. Um, but 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 also not oversimplifying. What if they speak Spanish? Right? New angle on that. The simplification then changes gears completely. Yeah. So I'm with you. Like that's why it's so hard to simplify. What we call simple is not necessarily simple to the other person. Thank you, knowledge. There's a there's a study in Harvard from a long time ago called the curse of knowledge. So if I give this water bottle to a caveman, you know, you know how to drink out of this. That dude's probably going to take a rock, you know, and break yeah, the sucker break it. open. Um, that's, that's what we call common sense when we condescend. Right. And as visionaries, we tend to condescend at everybody about our visions. You know, why don't you get it? Like this makes perfect. Well, it makes sense to you. Well, go ahead, Andy. Let's let's jump right back yeah, it on. It makes sense to it makes sense to right. 
we always make sense to ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's the you know I think part of what I provide when I work with people, you know, some of it is uh, thinking about systems that help us help us get to what we want to be talking about, whether that's you know through story or metaphor um, or some sort of um, scripted exercise. Um, and some of that is is just providing a mirror um, or a translation. So so the mirror is, you know, do you know what you just said <laughs> and and saying back to someone? Um, so they can hear it because they hear it and they're like, did I really say this? I remember from my own, I remember from my own PhD, you know, as I was editing my, my PhD, my wife's an editor. Um, she works in the newspaper world and, and I would, we'd edit in the car, but she'd get car sick. So she mm. couldn't edit in the car. So I'd read aloud to her. Oh man. Boy, did I say some shit that didn't make sense. <laughs> nothing like reading your reading your own sentences aloud to someone else to know that i'm like okay you don't have to say anything (laughs) exactly just driving the car like i'm like don't say it (laughs) don't look at me just keep driving yeah um so some of it is that and then some of it is just um you know i have a knack for for taking something that someone said and saying it back and, and I'll get some of the facts wrong, like, Oh, but, but it'll make sense. It'll, it, it might be inaccurate and then they can fix it. Yes. Then they can, then their job is to fix it. But my job is to repackage it in a way. Andy, I can see you drive, you drive a healthy dose you actually drive a healthy dose of doubt, of, of self-doubt, uh, ironically. And some of what you do, you've done it on this podcast a couple of times. Um, and it's not a bad thing. It creates- Tell me more about that. I will. What do you mean when you say that? Why'd you ask? Um, so in relation to just some of the questions, or even when we were talking beforehand, like, do we need the presentation or not? Or when you talked about simplification, you said, or I use the word simplified. You said, no, that's not what I meant. We went back to your statement. And I, I kind of call you out on that or whatever. But- that when you when you create an environment where there's less certainty and it's in a healthy protected environment now we can incubate a far more clear mastermind session because we're exploring perspectives and paradigms that aren't our gut instincts that makes sense it's weird how that makes sense isn't it it's like yeah. almost like that doesn't make sense but it again it, it does that's what masterminding's all about is looking at the devil you know you'd be the devil's advocate be the angel's advocate you know explore what's the worst case and the best case scenario except both you know and what are the what are the all the routes possible in between but doing so effectively and efficiently um you know in a in a in a healthy environment ends up that's why i mean at at some level um that's why I like coming on, coming on podcasts. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You come and you talk about this stuff and it's not easy. Like I, I'm not sitting here like. I got a big question to ask you. Is that okay? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to tee up with a scenario. So let's pretend a hundred million people listened to you last week. And naturally, because there's a hundred million who are listening, you're going to have a line of people who are like, I dig it. I'm ready to go. 
I, you know, I, I don't care what you said on stage. Like they're just ready. They know they need to get, they, they've got painful, complex realities. They can't communicate. What's my next step? So what are, now we got these thousand people that are right here. Where do you take them from there? What does it look like? One at a time or a thousand at a time? No, a thousand. Like we're, we're all ready to go. Um, so a thousand, tell us that we got to get in line. A, a thousand at a time. I, I take you through the four pieces that I think. Um, one of which your one of which is the thing that's preventing you from being effective on stage. Do you mind revealing those four? One of them's content. So one of them's like the actual message. Okay. One of them's visuals. We talked about it earlier. It's like most people, their PowerPoint is actually a problem. <laughs> their PowerPoint's <laughs> interfering with their ability to communicate yeah. their message. It's visual verbal vomit. Got it. What's the next and, one? Um, the other one's body language voice. And the last one is imposter syndrome, speaking mm. anxiety. Ooh. Now let's move. And, let's move and here. you got to, you got to get all of those. You know, if I, if I don't know what your problem is, then, then I just talk about those things and talk about ways to rethink those things. And that's what I do like with LinkedIn. Like yeah. I, I talk about one of those four things and I talk about one little sliver of it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, a thousand people see it, 2000 people see it, 5,000 people see it, sometimes 20,000 people see it. Yep. And for two or three people, or maybe 10 people, it was a, it, it, it moved the dial. It was like, Absolutely. oh man, that's helpful. Yes. And so with a thousand people, it's, it's a little bit of like so let's let's jump in a little bit exactly. So I'm going to push a little bit further, and you're going to say, Jackson, I don't do a thousand people. I'm happy, you know. Let's make this workshops with. I'm only going to take ten of you forward, right? The right. Who are the right ten people? What are their qualifications? Pre qualifications to be ready for that, and then what do you do with them? So ten. So when I'm when I'm working with ten people, they present instead of me presenting. Uh huh. They present. Perfect. And then I, and then I give them, then I know which lever. Right. Now you're doing the, not necessarily a 360 degree evaluation, but you're doing a, I've done this for thousands of people. And now you're able to dissect exactly. I, I just know which lever. Like, like what's the thing that's going to, what's the thing that's going to unlock. What's, what's yeah. the highest ROI? Like a movie for critic, but you're you. doing it for things that matter. Yeah. No offense, movie critics, but like I like if somebody sends me a five or ten minute video, I'll send you back three things that'll make you better dramatically. But I won't send you back more than three things. And I had a I I had a friend. You'll do that for anybody. I'll do that for anybody. I had a friend of mine who did this and said, you know, you should be doing this with. High, uh, like you should be doing this with like the super execs and you should, you should say, listen, it, it'll only take you 10 minutes, but it'll cost you a thousand dollars. 
And it takes me about an hour because I sit and I, I go through it. Did you have a conversation with your friend about the power of the word should? Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, anyway, what I'm getting at with that, I'm not, I'm absolutely not, I'm never going to use that word with you. I don't use it with visionaries. Uh, visionaries, you, you've not, you haven't heard this too much from me, but um, I don't, I try so hard not to use controlling language and, and impose my will on others. I'll invite people to do things. Um, I'll say what they could do. Um, but I never cross. I try to never cross. You never the cross the sh should could. shoulds because I'm not your visionary. You're the visionary. But is that a possible like that. strategy? Absolutely. And I love that. I love that you again, I'm calling you kind of the movie critic in that regard. Um, it's one of the things that I do with the businesses we work with, too. We're optimizing. People right. have to want that optimization, though, as well. Right. They got to be yeah. in a position where they're willing to receive it. I think it's awesome that you do it. Um, if you were working one-on-one -on -one with somebody, um, what would that process look like? So one-on-one so -on -one actually looks like the, the, the group process is the advantage of three or four or five-on-one is that you get to watch someone else be coached. And when I, and when I work with three or four people at the That's same time, the thing that I want to say to you that you're going to be defensive about, you I won't. can wait until the next person and I can give them positive feedback. And really what I'm doing is looking at, so, so instead of, you know, if, if you and I were, were working together, instead of saying, Jackson, you don't, you don't pause you need to pause after you've said something, which isn't true. You do pause. Um, you can hit. I could wait until the next. I could wait until the next person, and I and listening to them, yeah. I could then look at you and say, Jackson, what do you notice about him? What do you notice about the space in his language? Yeah, and you'd say, well, there were silences. Be like. And how did you feel about that? And you'd say, well, it was kind of nice because I could think. I'd say, you know, if you did more of that, you could create that experience for the person you're working with. I love that. So when I work with small group, my favorite thing is working with like three or four That's people because I can do that. My business mentor, one of my favorite mentors, Monty Malding, taught me this exact same principle because I have so much scar tissue and so many uh, theoretical black eyes, you know, broken jaws from people upset at me for giving real sincere feedback, right? People who didn't want it. He said, Jackson, your problem is you're the only dog to kick. <laughs> and I was like, wow, like I feel that. Um, <laughs> I can feel that when you're in a one-on-one -on -one setting trying to help somebody get out of their own way. Um, they don't want to be touched. They don't want to be told. They don't want to be instructed. They don't want to be treated like children, et cetera. It's a very, it can be a very difficult, painful process for both people to effectively move the needle. Yep. So I love that. What you revealed there, visionaries, this applies to your team members as well. Um, and being able to train them to improve, it applies probably with your kids and your own household environments. Uh, it might just be something that that you decide to explore what I would add on to it, though, is picking up the book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. If you're going to move into an environment where you start 
exploring people's weaknesses or people's opportunity for growth in a group environment. For me, that book by far, even though it's not research led, Andy, or it doesn't have all research notes, it is a 100% storybook. Best way to read it is with Audible because there's 17 different personalities and it's told of that story and the narrator does a good job. It was a game changing, life changing. Five Dysfunctions of Team? Five, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. It's one of my absolute favorite books. We have a poster similar to the one behind me here. Yep. My team designed it. We've integrated it. It's By the way, when anybody joins our company, that is required reading in the first week. They have to read that because the environment of a championship level organization compared to every other type of organization, dysfunctional organization out there, there's different habits. There's different ways of living. There's different ways of communicating. And it breaks it down in a way that's very non-threatening. That allows you to realize, is this the type of place you want to spend time with people? Um, and, or do you want an environment where you can kind of hide and be lost and forgotten? And, in the and it's, it sets the... It's it's the um, it's the contract you have with each other, right? That's right. Healthy boundaries, contracts, agreements. Uh, you know what we. What I remember that together. from my you know my work with things like Project Adventure, which you may or may not know, but mm -hmm. you know it's experiential education space, right? And working with working with teenagers, like what's our contract with each other? It's our contract with each other. One of the things I'm doing with my with my own coaching, so like the this 3MT community of 175 people, the ones who get through to the finals, what are we doing for them next year? And the people who do my workshops, what are we doing for them next year? Yeah. And and what I'm starting to do is build a community of people who have been through the training. Yeah. And they have the they have the language. They're developing the skills to talk about presentations and to give feedback on presentations and to accept feedback. Yeah. In a in a way that we've been able to grow together over time. And Smart. the challenge always of working one on one with someone is you don't have that, right? You have to you have to um, not only figure out what they need in order to take the next step, mm. but then you also have to figure out how do I deliver this to them in a way that they can hear it? Because if you wow. don't do that second part, knowing the first part doesn't do you any good. You just tied two amazing formulas together for me that I had not previously tied together that are going to be a massive impact on my future. And I appreciate that. One is the idea. I'm a big believer that uh, people, people become much healthier in life when they feel like they belong to something, right? There's, there's that. I already knew that. And the community aspect as well. Thank goodness. Um, I learned that a long time ago. That that's the number. That's why all these online courses that are just online courses, they don't survive. They don't thrive don't compared to a university that has an alma mater that you belong to, which is why they have stood the ground for so long. They still have optimizations to make to, to stay relevant for the next hundred years. But nonetheless, the idea of creating an environment incubation where people belong 
And I didn't realize until you said it right there that people can't belong to me or with me as an individual. I have to sleep, right? I have to take time off. I have to focus on what I need to eat and what I need to drink, et cetera. So if I'm just trying to make it about me or any other entrepreneur or visionary who's just trying, and that means my relationship too, looking back at my marriage always is learning opportunities and realizing, man, um, we, we did the nomad lifestyle and we had a very hard time establishing community. We had individual communities, but we didn't have a shared community. Now, like somebody who's Jewish and has, you know, and stays central where they're at, not like somebody who's LDS, um, you know, and has their congregation or somebody who's Catholic, or it doesn't have to be again, religious driven, but those are communities of bases that give people that give units, family units, a sense of stability and belonging where both partners coexist for a, a mutual purpose. And there's extreme power in that. So as, as you build that into what you're creating, Andy, and as I build that for what we're creating with first class business, it creates a, a certainty and a reason for people to want to belong. And all you visionaries out there, the same opportunity is, is very true for you. Um, inside business and inside your family. Any final thoughts you want to share before we wrap up today, Andy? So, so on that, on that, I'll give you a trio because we, our brains work well with threes, right? Yeah. Known, needed, cared for. Hmm. And, and that's part of, um, you know, that's what we all need. Known, needed, cared for. Meaning we need to be known, we need to be needed, and we need to be cared for, or that's, that's what, what we that's want. That's what we want. That's what we want. That's what we want. You know, the guy he um, he passed away last year, but he was he was my, you know, he was my maybe not my first mentor, but one of my first mentors. Um, and he was the guy who ran the school that I was talking about earlier, and that was that was the driver behind the school. It wasn't about, it wasn't about creating the discipline. It wasn't about trying to create the discipline that would force people to be successful. Cause we we're working with a lot of kids who hadn't necessarily been successful in school. They were yep. struggling. There was a second, third chance school. Um, but it was about them feeling no need to care for. It's huge. And then, within that safe space wanting to be successful is there a secular book that talks about this concept that you're familiar with i asked that and here's why as a missionary for the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints myself that is a very very that's a formula we followed i just didn't connect it to those words because our responsibilities or opportunities was make sure that the new member or the investigator connects to the bishopric the leaders in charge make sure that they know they're known by them too Make sure that they have an assignment, an opportunity to contribute, that they're needed, right? And three, make sure that they have a friend and that friend and family that takes care of them, right? So it was known, needed, cared for, um, you know, yeah. maybe the concept. So Preach My Gospel is the resource that I have to reach reach back into and study further and meditate on how does this apply to my business. Um, but if there's another book that people are more comfortable with that doesn't mention Jesus 3,000 times, then I'd love to know if you know of it. I don't know where, I don't know the origin of that. Okay. Well, we will rest there. Maybe somebody will fill that in in the comments um, and let us know if, you, if you've heard of that before. 
If not, well, awesome. We all just got a fantastic divine divine source of inspiration in, in my humble opinion. Um, as far as uh, landing pages go, if you want to if you want to connect with Andy, you'll be able to see that in the action steps below the episode on our landing page. If you want to share your visions with us, then in the top corner of the page, you'll see a button that says "Be Our Guest." We would love to hear your wholesome visions. Um, you don't have to be Tony Robbins or Michael Jordan to join us, but Tony and Mike, dude, we'd love to have you both. Um, <laughs> so throw that out there. And uh, it's been a real honor to share visions with you. If you have comments. Uh, definitely make them. If you have people who would benefit from this process, tag them in this. You never know whose life you'll bless in the process. And we will see you on the next episode. Andy, thanks for being here today, man. Jackson, thanks Thank for, you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for giving us your time and attention. Have an excellent 